So much has happened since I last saw you. I lost my hammer, like yesterday, so that's still pretty fresh. And then I went on a journey of self-discovery. Where I met you. the Jaws scale to see where it lands. Today we are doing a relatively new movie, Thor Ragnarok, which has been open for a week as we record this, and I am doing this with Dr. Bill Robinson. Hello, I have nothing, no catchy catchphrase, because I didn't think of one in the head, ahead. Well, that's <laughs> good planning. And Sir Andrew Leyland. We're friends from work. Ah! Oh. Yeah, you blew it, Bill. Uh, you had your shot. Bill Smash. <laughs> so, Andy, you saw this when it was released in uh, in England, which was like six months ago? Yeah. Bill, you saw it last week when it first opened here in the States, and I saw yep. it last night, so I'm the most fresh on this one. And I think to some extent that might put me at a disadvantage because, because you I've been no thinking time about it since, it since I finished watching it, and I'm trying to finalize my thoughts on it. I may need a second viewing to finalize my thoughts. Uh, you know, my initial thought, I, I was relatively spoiler-free with the exception of the trailer. But what I did get was some non-spoiler reactions from people, and they were pretty much positive until Scott Gardner put up there something about, you know, that he was so disappointed that he thought it sucked. Um, I'm definitely not in that camp. I just don't know how high I rank it yet. And as we talk about it, I think those thoughts will crystallize and I'll... Uh, I'll be able to articulate that a little bit better. 
but why don't we each give some initial thoughts on it? You know, why don't we do it in the order that we saw it? Andy, you saw it first, and to yeah. be to be not facetious about it, you saw it about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. Over half Um I enjoyed it. I didn't think that it was the best thing that the MCU had ever done, which was a lot of the initial reactions, which is generally just the shock of the new. Uh, for me, it probably doesn't crack top 10 because I, I overall felt it was too lightweight, even though there's an awful lot of heavy stuff in this, like the death of Odin, the destruction of Asgard, Thor losing an eye, the deaths of the Warriors 3, which really quite pissed me off uh, the way that it was handled. Uh, I, I think that there's too much undercutting of the drama at the expense of making it an outright comedy. And for that, it falls back a little. It's not that it wasn't a thoroughly enjoyable night at the cinema. It was. There's a lot of good laughs in it. Every single performer is brilliant, from Chris Hemsworth all the way down to the guest appearances by Sam Neill and Matt Damon. Everything worked about it. And to be fair, they were setting out to make a comedy. Their, their intention with this one was to make a flat-out comedy. So it's kind of unfair to judge them on something that they intended to do and that they did it well. I just hope that this doesn't signal uh, a step that they're going to make them a bit more campy and funny in the future. I want the the Avengers film and the next, the new the Black Panther one, to be more dramatic than funny. But it's certainly not a failure. It's a very enjoyable film. Uh, the MCU has again delivered something that works at least on an entertainment level, at least for me. Uh, but it's not top ten, not for me anyway. All right, what do you think, Bill? Um, I went with uh, uh, Ben and uh, Sarah, and we we all enjoyed it. Um, it was. Um, I mean, when I came out, I was like, oh, yeah, that was, that was a pretty good movie. I, I haven't really thought as to where I rate it in the whole pantheon of movies. I haven't really gone through my head with that. I mean, I like, like Andy, I don't think it would be. It's not going to be at the top. But, um, yeah, I was a little um, shocked or sc- head-scratching about, like, wow, they just killed all the Warriors 3. Okay. Down. It's not. It's not that they killed the Warriors Three. I, I, I get that for Hela to be the big bad, she has to be seen to be the big bad. It's that she kills two of them just so matter of factly. Volstagg like, and Fandral don't even get a line of dialogue. At least Hogan goes out like a warrior, but the other two, they just stood there minding their own business, and the next thing they're gutted. And you're like, they did that really? because they kind of gave Hogan the short shrift in the other movies. Possibly. Well, that's the feeling I got. Yeah, but it, it would have been nice to have them go out like like heroes, like warriors, rather than just... They were basically just caught by surprise. Yeah, I thought yeah. they could have done that in one scene with all three of them and had them all, you know, kind of... The, the scene they did with Hogan, you could have done that with the three of them and had them all be basically the, the last men standing until Which, she finally yeah. takes them out and they all would have gone out in a more heroic way. Mm. And I, I kept thinking somehow there's going to be a reset on this and they'll be alive at the end. And, and that's what I was wondering, be. too, is that now that Thor's got the Odin power, is is he going to... Because in the comics, they were all dispersed and Thor had to find them and they were hidden inside humans or posing as humans and 
but uh, but I, I don't know if they'll be able to go that route um, in the movies. But um, but overall, though, I mean, it was nice to see some more of the rest of the Marvel Universe. I know some people have probably leveled some criticism that, well, Jeff Goldblum is just Jeff Goldblum in makeup. But I still thought his, I liked his performance. Um, it was good to see the Hulk again to find out what happened to him. Although we kind of knew this is where this was going to go, that they were going to combine the, um, uh, they were going to bring in the Planet Hulk storyline here. Um, but yeah, oh, 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 overall feelings, I liked it. I could see it again. Uh, I had no ma- major problems with it. Uh, I know some of our other friends are a little down on well, like you said, Scott, and I think maybe it's possibilities is that maybe Scott wanted something a little bit more serious with, with Thor, um, that maybe he's worried that they're making light of Thor, making it too much of a comedy, which I, I don't know. you you got to get people in the theater and they got to enjoy it. You don't want I mean, I, there's not that many Shakespeare uh, movies out there anymore that people are going to fill the fill the theater to see but i i enjoyed it i got some other thoughts but i'll say until we get deeper into it yeah i'll give my initial thoughts as well is you know as i said we just watched it last night i found it to be very enjoyable my bigger questions come with you know as as a geek of you know of many years i start to wonder where is it going to go in the long run where 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 is this leading us to in the marvel universe because they did treat it so lightly. It had a Guardians of the Galaxy feel about it in a lot of ways in, in the way it was presented. And yet, I don't know if that was the best way to go. I, I like humor interspersed in there, but I don't know if it should have been quite as heavily as it was. I think there were some characters that were giving the funny lines that I think I would have rathered if they had just, you know, let other people do it. Um, I don't know. It's it's it was enjoyable as presented. I have no issue with that whatsoever. Like I said, it, it's more or less you know is this going to be the tone of all of them? Marvel has shown a remarkable ability to vary the manner in which they presented these movies, but I think they've found that they've had a little bit more critical success or, or commercial success when they've interspersed the humor. So I think that's been a lot of their thought process now. There's let's go that way because that's what's been popular. I just don't know if they make that a regular thing that they're doing from now on, if it's going to continue and if it has legs that way or if it's going to just kind of wear people out. Uh, I, I liken it in some ways when I think about that to the James Bond movies where they got lighter and lighter and lighter to the point where people stopped enjoying them as much and started being very, very critical of them because they didn't have any gravitas anymore. Um, and then they had to go back and, and totally change things up to make it much, much more serious. I'm hoping that, that this doesn't drop to that level at some point. And that's that's what I fear. I don't think it has, but I do fear that that could be the future of it. So I think we need to do what they've done in the past and show us some different types of uh, presentations. I think of you know Winter Soldier, which had some comic moments in it, but overall was a much more serious movie than this is. Uh, you know, they, they've shown that they can do both. So I hope that they continue to do both and don't just make it, you know, one and not the other, if that all makes sense. Um, just, you know, we talked about that, you know, I said that I, I could have sort of seen them doing some sort of reset, and they certainly did in the comics, where Ragnarok came and went, and then eventually the gods were reborn. So they certainly have that ability to bring back Odin and bring back the Warriors 3, 
you know, if, if they should so choose. Now, in mythology and in the comics, Hela is not a child of Odin, no. is she? I think she's uh, well, actually, in, in mythology, I believe she's a child of Loki. And Gene can correct us on that if he... Uh, I know yeah, in the comics she's not a child of... Uh, I don't remember in the comics specifically, but I'm pretty sure in mythology she's Loki's daughter. I think you're right about that. So, you know, and I don't care. They could change little things like that. To me, it doesn't matter. Again, maybe somebody who's more schooled in the mythology like Gene or, or uh, Tom Harris, maybe they would be more concerned about them being true to the uh, to the roots of the stories. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, interesting where they went with the Hulk in this because there was the aspect of it of, you know, if I turn into the Hulk, I may never come back to Bruce Banner again. And then he eventually willingly sacrificed his Bruce Banner existence, theoretically, in order to become the Hulk. But that's one that they could easily swap out if they want to. But it also lets them not worry about the fact that Mark Ruffalo is going to age out of the role. Yeah. Well, the, the Ruffalo said in many interviews for this film that one of the reasons for putting the Hulk in this is the Hulk has now a three-film arc that he says he's going to carry on over to the Avengers and such simply because the Hulk doesn't get his own film and isn't going to get his own film because of the rights with Universal Pictures. So he's now got, they've actually decided what they're going to do with him over the next couple of movies. And he's quite interested, he said, in following through where they're going. I thought Ruffalo got off the lightest in this one. I thought he was the character who wasn't played for laughs. All of the laughs around Banner and the Hulk come from the situation he's found himself in. Like having to wear Tony Stark's, Tony Stark's clothes <laughs> was funny because it came out of that's all that was in the Quinjet. So it came out of character. And I think a lot of the Hulk stuff in this came out of character rather than being funny. Thor felt very flippant in this film. And even at the end, when he becomes Odin, he finally accepts he is the king of the Asgardian people. He still didn't feel like that weight had come from him. It felt like they'd, they'd got rid of a lot of his development over the past couple of movies, where the first one was essentially about his hubris and bringing him down to earth, literally and metaphorically and then having him learn over the course of the first film. And the beginning of this one didn't feel like he'd learned anything. His dealing with Surtur was very Weedon-esque in its flippancy, rather mm -hmm. than him, him taking it seriously while still having fun with it. Because essentially that's the thought that they've developed in the films. He loves a good scrap. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I did feel that maybe the death of his father should have weighed a little bit heavier on him. It seemed like it affected Loki more than it affected Thor. Yeah, that, you know, that's uh, true. Not to get us off... Well, okay, let's talk... I've got a nitpick with the movie, and I know how uh, on our other show, like a few, you know, we we sometimes find, find a flaw in something that will unravel the whole plot. What? Okay, so he defeats Sorter, <clears throat> and his crown is actually the horns on his head. And the whole thing is that if Sorter is his crown is dipped into the eternal flame, then he will come about, grow, whatever, destroy Asgard. Why would you bring his crown to the treasure room in the same room where the flame is? <laughs> Plot. <laughs> yeah. Why well, would like... you just throw it into a sun? To, to, to you know. Why? Maybe, Why maybe would you put it in the, the same idea. room? 
if that makes that's the only that's like the one nitpick i was like well but if you don't then you can't you know yeah, maybe the idea is that if Odin's got it in that throne room with the Infinity Gauntlet, which is revealed to be a fake in this yeah. movie, and the various other stuff that he's got, maybe the idea is that if he keeps a hold of it, it's safe. Okay, but still... I mean, yeah, you're right, it makes no sense, but maybe oh, that's I'm the idea put, behind it. Let's see, I'm going to put this highly dangerous object next to this... <laughs> Other highly dangerous, highly dangerous objects object. <laughs> that should never come in contact with each other, but I'm going to put it down the hall with no security guards, other, you know, other than, you know, oh, oh, you know, because what, well, okay, this the security guard should be the destroyer, which, you know, but still, ah, uh, yeah, that was kind of like, wait a minute, but I kind of let, let, I let that go. But, but getting back to Thor, you don't think Thor... I, I, I saw a little bit of growth mixed in with the... Like, the way he dealt with Loki, it's like he saw through yes. Loki's bull, bull. And he's like, he, he's like, really? You're going to make me go through this? You're going to make me do this? When he chucked the hammer away and then put his hand, held Loki, a.k.a., you know, disguised as Odin, in front of his hand with his hand, you know, he's like... So basically, the hammer's going to smash through his face. And he's like, ah. Yeah, because if this was really Odin, he could stop it. Hmm. Yeah, I think there, there is an element of growth there, you're right, where Thor, especially when that comes in at the end, when Thor says to Loki, you're not going to change, brother. I'm fed up of trying to change you. I've got the throne now, whether I want it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, did, I liked that moment, and I did think at the end of the film, there was a certain acceptance on Thor's part that the, he is now in charge, he is now the king. I just, I did feel that, like, every single thing Chris Hemsworth did in this movie was just to show what a good comedy actor he is. And he is. He's a great comedy actor. But I I felt they did that at the expense of the drama of it in a lot of places. It just felt, well, go with it because it's a comedy. And it must have repercussions for the rest of the, the MCU going forward because the trailer for Infinity War, we've already seen Thor hurl through space and crash into the Guardians of the Galaxy ship. Yeah. So something oh, must. Wait a minute. There was a trailer up. for Infinity War. There was a trailer for Infinity War that was released at Comic Con that I don't know if there's made it on the internet, but has been described. Oh, okay, okay. And it, yeah, it is right. said that in that he gets hurled, he comes hurling through space and crashes into the Alyssa Milano or whatever they call it. <laughs> the Milano. Yeah. Yeah, and in because the the way the reason they were talking about that was in that scene, Thor's got both eyes. Hmm. Well, so maybe they, they did that. Yeah, if you notice, they've, they've said they did that deliberately because there's a scene in the trailer for Thor Ragnarok. He has both where he eyes. Has both eyes. Right. And they've said that that's deliberate. They didn't want to spoil that moment. Right. So I'm hoping Infinity War is going to be a bit more high stakes and dramatic, but still with a couple of funny lines rather than this. Unless this is like um, those old episodes of like Babylon 5 where they would do a comedy one before they did a heavy arc episode. If this is the comedy interlude before we go into Infinity War, then we may look back at it differently than we're viewing it now. See, yeah, the thing is, I have to view these now. I, I have to view them in the grand scheme of things. I, I have a difficult time looking at, at, at it as an individual movie, which is what we're trying to do here. And we're going to rate it as an individual movie. But my enjoyment level as an individual movie might vary depending on where they go in the future. If this is the trailer of the future and we're going to go comedy on all of them, I think this movie will drop some, bless you. 
Thank you. It will drop some, in, in my opinion. On the other hand, if this is, you know, this was, you know, on its own, it, they went for a little heavier in the comedy in it, and then they can do an about-face and be more serious in another one without being overly serious, then this, then, then I will have a higher opinion in perspective. I yeah, because the advantage that they've got is that Infinity War has filmed, so they knew what they were doing with Thor, so mm. that that's exactly going into what Paul was just saying. We'll probably get a better perspective on Ragnarok when we've seen Infinity War and we'll know what they were doing with it. And that's that's the thing with this Marvel Universe now. Everything is now interconnected in what I think is a pretty glorious way. And that if Ragnarok didn't didn't float your boat, well, you know, Black Panther's coming in two months. That looks right. to be more serious as well. Yeah. Which is so fine. Do you think the whole interconnectivity might... Well, I mean... Like it might turn off some some people that are like, it, well, I don't I don't want to go see it now because I got to go back and watch another dozen movies to know what's going on. I think no, they've done may a good do. job of but, yeah. making them individually accessible for the most part. I think yeah, you get a greater I, level of enjoyment by having watched it right. with them, but I don't think they're exclusive because you know you haven't seen the others. I still think you can get a level of enjoyment out of them without having seen the others. I think yeah, anywhere this, in this, I'm sorry to keep uh, no no keep going. But I think anywhere in this pantheon of films is a jumping on point. I don't think there's any yeah. point that, that keeps you away. Maybe Age of Ultron was a little difficult to get into without having seen other stuff. Yeah. That, that I think, might be the only one. And, well, Civil War follows on from the events of Age of Ultron. But for the most part, yeah, I agree with you. I think people could have happily watched Thor Ragnarok and not seen Guardians 2 and not even seen Doctor Strange. You don't have to have seen Doctor Strange to, to see no. Doctor Strange in this film. <laughs> and I think for the most part they've done quite a good job with that. I think there's only a couple that are direct sequels. Civil War, like we say, is a direct sequel to Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron probably was a bit impenetrable for you if you'd not seen the others. And Iron Man 3 was definitely a reaction to the Avengers. But for the most part, I think I think they've done a good job of keeping them all standalone. But then when you step back and look at the big tapestry. You go, oh, right, because who'd have thought? I mean, they probably didn't thought. But who'd have thought when seeing The Incredible Hulk that Thunderbolt Ross would come back played by the same actor? Mm -hmm. And that's just a happy accident. But it does show that they do have some grand plan that they are following once they get to a certain stage. Like, they mapped out all of part one, and then they've mapped out all of part two, and now they're thinking about what to do with, with part three. But I think this one stands on its own. And it, it's it's not fair to say, I think, I think we've been... A, a little bit overly negative about it because some of this does work magnificently well the 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 thing with loki taking charge of asgard and asgard's gone to shit whilst he's been in charge that's all really well, he's cool. watching plays glorify yeah. himself yeah oh he's, yeah <laughs> that, and was, that was that play was brilliant with luke hemsworth playing thor and yeah. matt damon playing loki and sam neil playing odin that was absolutely brilliant but what really sold that scene to me was Anthony Hopkins' body language playing Loki pretending to be Thor and he's just sat there draped back eating his grapes with all his women surrounding him laughing at his moments of glory and because it's written from Loki's point of view Thor comes across as a bit of an asshole and I just and that bit worked magnificently and all the stuff on Shikar I thought was genuinely fun and entertaining and Banner's realisation that I, you know, I've been gone for two years. Thus yeah. explaining where they were for Civil War, in retrospect, was all really good. I thought Tessa Thompson was very good as Valkyrie. And she's not um, English either, right? 
Tessa Thompson, no, well, she was in Veronica Mars, so I don't know. I think she was doing that faux British Asgardian accent that they all do. Oh, because I, I, I was like, wow. Yeah, because, yeah, it says she's an American actress. And I was like, oh, I thought she was actually uh, Yeah, well, she's, she's in you, Creed as well. Would you have preferred for them to have an actress who looked more like Valkyrie in the comics? I, I don't really care, to be honest with you. At, at this point, I'm not bothered. Yeah. I thought she did, uh, she did the job well in the way mm-hmm. the rule was written for that film. So at this point, it doesn't really matter. I don't think that they needed to go for the costume the way they do in the comics, kind of the full-body swimsuit with a cape. Uh, but I would have liked if it was something just a little bit you know, more reminiscent of it. They could well, have had her... a full-body suit, but I just had kind of had the look be a little bit closer to that. I would have liked um, but as far as the actress, I'm okay with them not having a blonde Norwegian-looking actress. I'm okay with that. But but also, they do give themselves a get-out-of-jail-free card. She says she's the Valkyries. Right. So it's entirely possible the comics accurate Valkyrie was her leader. Uh, but they do yes, mention that they're all dead. Yeah. This isn't necessarily Brunhilde. So she, who's the, yeah, she, she may not be the Valkyrie of the comics. She was one of the Valkyries. So mm-hmm. she's so she's not the Valkyrie you want, but the Valkyrie you need. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, and I, I thought she was really effective in this. I thought she was really good. She she stood. She gave as good as she got, and I thought she was a really effective character. And there is talk of of the fact that her and Scarlett Johansson and and somebody else I can't remember who the the other feet maybe Brie Larson have actually gone to Feige and said, look, we want to work together. Put us in a film together, and I think you know put Darcy in it with them. And I oh, think you've got no, a great no, no, film. No, 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 no. Never bring Darcy back. Oh, come on. <laughs> Never. What's wrong with, with whatever her name is? She was, she was so annoying in the dark uh, world. <laughs> well, torn her down a bit because she's not with Jane anymore. But, you know, I'd be... And this is what's great about the Marvel Universe now. I've heard people say they'd watch a movie about Korg. <laughs> I might do that. <laughs> See, he was very that, that, different than I pictured from the comics. Yeah. I never, never pictured him as having that light English accent. Well, he's new, he's Kiwi. He's New Zealand because yeah. it's the director. Yeah, yeah, that was the director that did the voice. Yeah, that's uh, Watiti doing the voice of it. And there's just some brilliant bits in there. Like we we were going to have a meeting, but we didn't have enough pamphlets. Just me and my mum. Just been carrying gonna... him around for the last couple hours. Yeah. Oh wait, he's I... alive. <laughs> when you've got people who've never read a comic in their life saying they would go and watch a Cog movie you know what a success you've got on your hands here. They're creating characters that people want to see more of. <laughs> and, you Sorry, know, I, I, thought, I thought Korg was great. If I had a complaint about the Hulk bits, I felt that the Planet Hulk stuff got short shrift. Yeah, I was explaining to the, to the kids how you know Planet Hulk was a series that Thor had nothing to do with mm. back in the day, and, and they, were, they were actually kind of interested in it, or they were humoring the old man, I'm not sure which. Yeah, they patch you on the head. That's nice, yeah. So, I mean, and visually, it looks great. It kind of takes that Guardians of the Galaxy aesthetic and just umps it up even more. It's a very colourful, bright film. There's a lot of Kirby. Yeah, there's a lot of Kirby in this movie, which Mm -hmm. is appropriate on his his centenary. See, there's Marvel Comics didn't really do anything to celebrate his centenary. Uh, and I just, I, I didn't feel there was a weak link in the cast. Yes, Goldblum's been Goldblum. So what? If you want somebody to Jeff Goldblum in your film, hire Jeff Goldblum. Because he's going to be brilliant. And I liked all of them. 
I thought the entire, I thought it was very nice of Chris Hemsworth to let so many other actors come and play in your film and then steal the scene from under his nose. <laughs> Uh, what did you think of the homage to uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Loved it. I, I thought that was great. Absolutely brilliant. You are about to meet the Grandmaster in five, four. Of course, I've never been a fan of Willy Wonka. Well, yeah, but it was it was that whole boat ride. It was you know because it starts out lovely and then it gets darker and darker and then you know. Boop, then you're just out, and he's just screaming. Ah! Now, we, I think you know, we, we should talk about the Grandmaster a little bit, because, Bill, you were fine with him. I felt like I tolerated him, honestly. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh. I didn't like the way... First of all, I, did, I didn't like the fact that Jeff Goldblum is just so easily identifiable as Jeff Goldblum. And I, I really didn't care. Well, this was the funny flippant Jeff Goldblum, not the yeah, serious I, I dark Jeff Goldblum. I, I thought you had enough humor in there already that you didn't necessarily need the funny flippant Jeff Goldblum. You wanted him to I, be more menacing? Yeah, I did. Mm. I don't know. His line about slaves was funny. I don't like calling him slaves. The prisoners with jobs are revolting, sir. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, there, there were definitely some funny moments, but I think I would have preferred it if, if they had had either an unknown actor in the part or a more CGI-looking actor to make him look more similar to the way he did in the comics and made him a little bit more menacing. He was, he was a bumbling fool, I thought, for, for mm. comedy purposes. Yeah, even even in the post-credit sting, where uh, there was a great revolution. Uh, uh, let's call it draw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that was a bit... I mean, maybe Goldblum has hinted in many interviews that he's done because uh, he seemed to get the press tour over here with the film coming out early, whereas Hemsworth and um, Hiddleston went to Australia and a couple of others have gone to other places. Uh, and he's mentioned that he's the collector's brother and that he does hope at some point in the future he's going to get to work with Benicio Del Toro. Mm. So maybe working with Benicio will make, will give him a bit more weight. Well, and even Benicio was, was presented as a little bit, you know, ineffective mm. in, in uh, Guardians uh, or in... Uh... Yeah, it was in Guardians. I'm, I'm just yeah. to, to, there's so many now. I have to sort them out in my brain. Uh, but I, I think you know you could do an Infinity Gauntlet thing uh, where the two of them can be eventually defeated by Thanos, but shown to be more you know more more menacing, more uh, formidable before they're defeated. You know, it, it, as shown, I think Ronan was a far more powerful character than either of these two characters who were supposed to be elders of the universe. Hmm. So I, you know, I mean, and I know I'm I'm drawing on my comic knowledge here, and not so much what was shown in the movies, but I do think that uh, that I would prefer that they went more the comic book route on both of them. Hmm. Well, let's talk about Loki a little bit. I liked, I kind of saw this going in. I thought they're going to have him team up with Loki, and it's going to be Tom Hiddleston so popular now that they're just going to kind of make him more heroic. And, uh, you no. know, that, that he's teaming up with Thor. They did, blah, but he blah, didn't. Blah. He... Yeah, but they, they stayed true yeah. to the character. He was still he did. more for Loki than he was for anyone else. He still tried yeah. to betray Thor at the end. And it was kind of cool that, that Thor saw it coming and, and had prepared for it with the uh, with that, that neck device on him. My favorite bit of that was when Thor arrives in Shakar. And he's kind of discombobulated by what's going on. And he sees Loki sat there and he's already got his feet under the table. And Loki's all, I've, I've been here for months, dude. <laughs> yeah. Where you been? <laughs> I just got here. 
That was good. I, I thought Hiddleston was quite good in this because Hiddleston is capable of doing the humour at the same time of, of exposing pain. So Loki dying seemed to have a profound effect on, on not Loki, Odin dying seemed to have a profound effect on Loki because Loki's, it's all in Hiddleston's face. So the guy's doing some acting that is away from what's written on the page. And I thought that was really effective. I thought Hiddleston was really good in this one. I, I, I mean, I've, I've never not liked him in any of them. I think the only things I've ever seen him in, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen him in anything that wasn't the Marvel movies. He was in something, uh, <laughs> something else that I've seen, and I can't think of what it is. Let's see, what's his film either? Oh, he was in Kong, in... Kong Skull Island. That's what he I saw. was, which was very good. He's been in Taylor Swift. He was in The Night Manager. Uh, well, he was in Taylor Swift. Wasn't he dating her? Oh, wait, never mind. Just get that, did you? <laughs> he was in the movie about um, Hank Williams, where he sang. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I, I thought they handled Loki very well. Now, I don't know what what's Loki's role in the future. I don't know if Hiddleston signed on for more, if he's going to be in Infinity War. Infinity War seems like it's quite packed, as it is. So they may give Loki a miss in that one. If you've got well, all the Avengers and the, all the Guardians. You know, with the mid credit scene where, you know, is Loki, the, that's most likely Thanos come yeah. to uh, come to get the gem that Loki most likely pocketed when he was in the, uh, when he probably picked up the Tesseract mm. when he was in the uh, the treasure room. And that, that was nice. So they just showed him stop and look at the uh, Cosmic Cube for a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So that's the whole reason, you know, that's the whole reason Thanos is probably drawn to them to begin with, and Loki's going to probably betray him, is what I would imagine, and go mm-hmm. running back to be Thanos' uh, lapdog, and then find some way to be heroic later on, have the have the turn. Semi-heroic. Yeah. So uh, yeah, um, I thought Thanos' ship looked to me like Annihilus' ship in the comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, did we, what did you guys see as far as Easter eggs in this movie? Uh, now, I did hear something about the Bi-Beast being in there, but I did not see the Bi-Beast. I think I may have seen the Tri-Beast, because there was a three-headed guy. Well, the Bi-Beast was on the tower. He was one of the faces on the Grandmaster's tower. Mm. So was Beta Red Bill, wasn't he? Yeah. All right. And supposedly, Fin Fang Foom is down at the bottom. I actually posted a, a picture on, uh, or back to the, in like, like a thread on Back to the Bins I was showing someone. Um... I don't know if I still have that photo somewhere, but uh, but yeah, that um, there was a lot of. Uh, um, I was to th- well, I expected to see more recognizable faces in the uh, what's it called the arena, the gladiator arena. Mm. Well, the oh, one what was, the, what was the name of the guy who was dead? Doug. <laughs> Doug. Yeah. Poor Doug. Yep. It's Doug. Yeah. Another day, another Doug. You Doug? Yeah. But um, New Doug. the right hand. <laughs> woman of um, the Grandmaster is supposedly the character Topaz, which came from the Ultraverse universe. The the Malibu comics that Marvel bought. Mm. So some people are like, well, hmm, that's interesting that they're using that character. Were you guys aware of that? No. No. I, that is interesting if that is a conscious effort to try and open that door because I'm not sure where they would go with that. What character from the Ultraverse would they maybe actually focus on at some point. Prime or uh, Rune? Uh, they had Rune, uh, Hard Case, which would be like another Iron Man a- analog. Um, uh, well, I think Prime was... and Rune were their two biggest. I think you had Mantra was uh, in there too. 
pulling up a picture of Topaz for you guys. Mm. I like that he taps his umbrella to change back into to change back into Thor when yeah. he's uh, wandering New York and his hammer appears. That was a nice touch to the Don Blake days. And they they did have you know having having Odin be on Earth and kind of in a human identity was also a you know thing that was done in the comics more than once. Mm. Which there were scenes I had uh, could have swore I've seen pictures of Odin in New York. You have they they changed the entire Odin scene. They talked okay. about this on the Empire podcast that I listened to just this week. They had an interview with Taika Waititi, and they actually asked him that question. They said, why in the trailer was Hela in New York when she catches Mjolnir? But then in the film, they're in Norway, and he said they played the rough cut of the first version to an audience, and they all felt, even before they got the audience feedback, that having Odin wander around New York as a bum didn't work. It just did oh. not work at all. And so they reshot that entire scene with Odin in Norway to give him a much more dignified send-off and to give Thor and Loki a moment before Hela attacks. Mm. Now, there's been some commentary. One of, one of my friends had commented to me before uh, I had a chance to see it about that he really did not like the score. And then I heard one or two other people say the same, uh, with the exception of the use of uh, Led Zeppelin in that. But, but then I, I mentioned that when Scott had criticized the movie as not being what he hoped for, and he said he actually liked the score very, very much. Now, watching it yesterday, with the exception of Led Zeppelin, uh, I didn't think the score registered with me all that much. I didn't really notice it to speak of, and I'm wondering it was very... if you guys did, and if it, you know, if you if you had an opinion on it. It was uh, very. I... 80s-ish, um, which was actually was done by Mark Mothersbaugh, if, I, uh, if yeah. I remember correctly, who was a member of Devo. Oh, right. are we not men? We are Devo, exactly. There we go. So so that would be where, you know, like, I really, you know, I caught on it, and I was like, yeah, this is this is the 80s, you know, this is, mm. that's why, you know, and when I saw who did, I was like, oh, yeah, that's what they're going for. Because, I mean, it's kind of like, you could say at one point it becomes like a 80s buddy cop film, mm. with, Thor and Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hulk I, is like I raging fire. Hulk and <laughs> Thor like smoldering fire. I did I, notice the score a lot. I liked it, and I liked the way that it changed. Yes, when they went to Shakar, Shakar, mm-hmm. it it does become like Bill said. It comes that '80s synth pop thing. Mm-hmm. Um, not not John Carpenter Stranger Things parody, mm-hmm. more um, more the other way. But I I liked it. I thought it suited the film quite well. I've not listened to it. As a score yet, right. I've, not been, I've not had the chance to. I do have it, but uh, I thought it worked in the film. It certainly wasn't intrusive to my viewing pleasure. Mm. Like I said, I didn't really take note of it. I think you know, next time I see it, uh, I'll probably you know be more aware of it than I was this time because that's you know, in the second viewing, I start noticing you know little things that I didn't see the first time. Well, I really didn't think they were going to use the Led Zeppelin song actually in the film, and I definitely didn't expect to get it twice. And you would think on one level that it would be like, oh my god, like an eye-rolling moment, but I really loved it each time. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, like, I was like, yeah. But I happen to love that song. <laughs> you know, because and they didn't overload it with pop songs, you know, which works in, in Guardians, but I think it would have been too much to put it here as well. Hmm. Well, there'd be no reason for it here. Shikar wouldn't know what pop music was. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, you could always come up with some sort of plot contrivance to get it there, but I don't yeah. think it would have. I think it would have reeked of stealing it from Guardians. Mm. It, it would have almost felt desperate. You know, that worked there. We need to do it here too. Kind of thing. Yeah, so, because it it owes a lot to Guardians as it is. I did like the fact that the Hulk was able to hold a conversation. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was you know, although he was, you know, he, he was a little obtuse at times, but I think that was good. That was you know, in character. I, you know, some some of the bantering back and forth was was amusing. You know, they call you the stupid Avenger, and he gets all mad. He had a thing with Valkyrie as the Hulk. Hey, girl. Did, did he? <laughs> I I kind of got that that he kind of was maybe a little sweet on her as the Hulk. Yeah, I got all that. Right, okay. So I I think he's, I thought he was still hooked up on Natasha. But all right. Yeah, but yeah. Well, he was once he saw her face on the ship. But... Well, yeah, yeah. But it I has think, been but I, two you know, years. He was away for two years. So. Yeah. He doesn't want green balls, does he? <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> didn't need that. Sorry, mate. Well, Thor didn't need to see his big green schlong either, but he did. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. He gets out of the hot tub. Uh. Yeah, I, I thought that was all really good. Like mm. I said, I, I think to some extent... I'm going to need a little bit of time to really know where I feel on this one. But overall, I think it was light. The fact that it was as lighthearted as it was is going to make it easily rewatchable. Yeah. When this is showing up on TNT or TBS and I'm flicking through the channels, you know, we'll, we'll pull the, the flick test over from, uh, from Listen to the Prophets. I think this is one that will be very easy to stop on no matter what point in the movie it's at. Mm-hmm. Although, uh, maybe a long time for you to see it on that, since Disney is now going to create their own um, digital streaming service. And yeah. pretty much, uh, also, all the Marvel stuff on Netflix apparently is going to, like any new stuff beyond what was contracted, is going to be going on to the Disney digital. So, here we go again. Here we go. I think at Everybody some point wants streaming. I think at some point they're going to have to come up with like where you can get a package of streaming services, almost the way you get a package of cable services. Well, then you might as well just and, go back to freaking cable. Well, it's gonna be... but, I th but I think what you're going to do is you're going to, it's going to eliminate cable. And you'll have the CBS streaming service, you'll have the Netflix, you'll have the Disney, you'll have the ABC service, you know, you'll have all these different services and that'll be it. You, you, yeah. won't, you, know, you won't bother with cable. But I think they're becoming compartmentalized enough that you're not going to just individually you know, uh, subscribe to each one because it's just going to become too much. Mm -hmm. Or you're just going to, you know, go back to purchasing the individual movies more than you did. You know, I think people have gotten away from that a little bit as a general rule. You know, you, I, I don't know, I don't know exactly where Blu-ray sales are, but I was assuming, maybe incorrectly, that they dropped down some in, you know, with, with streaming being as popular as it is, or with digital copies like, you know, through iTunes and that type of thing being as popular. But if it has, maybe that's something that'll see a resurgence if you know the streaming services become less user friendly. Yep. I threw a picture of Topaz up in the uh, Skype. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, 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 Carl Urban. Oh, oh yeah, Carl Urban is scourge. Mm. I I thought I would, this was not the scourge I was expecting at first. He like, was initially played a little bit too much for comedy, I thought. I would have rather he was played a little bit more menacing also. Mm -hmm. See, the thing is, 
as I, as I'm as we're sitting here discussing it, I'm kind of just thinking about some of these things in my mind. There's aspects of it individually that I wish were done a little bit more seriously or a little bit more menacing, and that would have changed the overall tone of the movie somewhat, even if you kept some of the other comedy in there. So I, it's hard to gauge whether or not it would have improved the film on a whole without seeing, you know, really a final product on that. Mm. On the other hand, you know, it. it it may it may have changed it and taken away from some of the comedy elements so that the movie just felt kind of more fragmented and not with a focus of any sort. But it could have also just made it a little bit more serious with some lighthearted moments in there, which I think is where I would prefer it go. Mm. This almost felt like a comedy, you know. As I, think, I think this was a comedy, comedy so I, with a touch of drama. <clears throat> I, I think I would have preferred it be a little bit more of a drama with a touch of comedy. Or an action adventure movie with a touch of comedy. Mm. So that's that's where I that's where I felt. I think in my ranking, we've got to rank this. You've you've both said it doesn't come top ten for you. I don't. It doesn't come top ten for me either. That's not to say it wasn't fun. I don't. They, they've not done a Marvel movie yet that I've not enjoyed on some level. All right, I'm, I'm going to give up my my position on this off the right off the bat and tell you uh, every Marvel movie that I've seen, including this has either been a Jaws or a Jaws 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they've, they've not had anything that's sunk to the level of Jaws 3, and, and they continued that way in my mind. So, to me, the trouble is, you know, I'm going to end up putting it as a Jaws 2, and I'll give the ranking system in a few minutes when we get to that. But the trouble for me is more where among the other Jaws 2 Marvel movies would I rank it. And I'm coming, if I'm trying to figure out which one at an enjoyment level I'm closest to on this one, I think I'm putting it with Ant-Man, which I enjoy. I enjoy mm. it very much. In fact, it was when I got home last night, it was on uh, TBS, and I watched it again last night. So it's not that I don't like Ant-Man in any effect, but I think that's the one I'm going to put it at the enjoyment level. Of. Yeah, I think I'm in the same place. It's it's there with like Thor, Ant-Man, Doctor Strange. It's it's second tier, but like you said, they've never they've not made a Jaws three. Everything is either Jaws or Jaws two. But even in terms of the trilogies, Iron Man now is a trilogy, Captain America, Thor, I don't think it's the, the best of the trilogies. I think Captain America walks that one easily. Yeah, that's what, I, in fact, we had that conversation last night also, and that's what I said. That the, the Captain America, the three Captain America movies are by far the, uh, the strongest ones that you group together. Mm. Although Captain America Civil War could easily, you could easily say that's the third Avengers movie. And group those yeah. Together. yeah, you could. Yeah, so we'll just have to see how that pans out with Infinity War. But it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a failure, and I think we've looked at a lot of the stuff that didn't work. But on a purely enjoyment level, night out, pizza, couple of beers, enjoyment factor, it was it was up there, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was definitely very enjoyable, and uh, you know, I I also I like to gauge the people I go to the movies with who like comic stories but aren't comic book collectors and aren't deeply into the comic culture and they loved it so there's something to be said for that yeah and it's playing well i mean it had made its budget back before it opened in the state so it's not going to be a flop it's probably the is it highest grossing of the thor movies by far uh, of the three thor movies i i'm guessing but i would say yeah i can tell you because so. i've got box office mojo up right now right now it's made Five hundred and uh, it's like five hundred and nine million. Right. Um, so. Series Thor. Let's take a look. 
Uh, right now, Thor The Dark World, I think, is ahead. But that's because it hasn't been out. Um, it's only been out a week and yeah. a half in the States. Yeah. Not even a week yeah. and a half. So, yeah. I mean, it's its biggest threat coming up over the next couple of months is obviously Justice League. Which is a week away still. Mm. So, so Thor The I, Dark World I, did $644 million worldwide. See, so Thor The Dark World, by the standards of these movies, was not as successful. Whereas Thor did, well, Ragnarok has already beat Thor worldwide. Uh, yeah, but good. of the three, I think Thor might be the best overall film. Yeah, the first one's the best of the three Thor films. Even so, with Darcy in it, Paul. <laughs> no, Darcy was good in the first movie. She was horrible yeah. in The Dark World. Okay. I thought, she, you know, they, they went to that well too often in the second movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's one place this one does score with its complete break from the past. You're not shoehorning in Natalie Portman and Darcy and all of that stuff. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think, I think there's I a think comic that shows the breakup with them or something. I don't know exactly. Not going to click. Were either of you familiar with the director prior to this? So, yeah, yeah. I'd seen, I've seen what we did in the shadows. I've started, I've watched about the first that's half hour of that on... Amazon, and I, which the only reason I stopped is I had something else that I had to go and do, and I haven't got back to it. But I, uh, that's got Jermaine Clement in it from yeah, uh, Flight of the Concords. Yeah, and it's it's uh, in case you're not familiar with it, Paul. It's basically oh no, I am familiar with it. It's a funny movie. Oh oh, you've seen it? Yes. Oh okay, well all right all right then, because I believe isn't the director one of the actors in it too? Yes, Taika Waititi's in it, yeah. yeah. And there's Hunt for the Wilder People, which I haven't seen, but I believe was on Netflix. That's got Sam Neill in it, doesn't it? Yeah. Which is why he was in this. Probably why he was in this one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it means that Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum have been in another movie together after Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't even consider that connection. <laughs> but I guess we're at the point where I'm going to ask you guys to give your rating on the Jaws scale. I've already kind of placed it for me on Jaws 2 and told you I'm not sure exactly where I'm going to put it in there. I'm going to just kind of put it dead center Jaws 2. Uh, and the rating system is as follows. If you rate it as Jaws, you're saying it's an all-time classic movie, very few flaws, if any, and just a great movie. Jaws 2, solid movie, solid entertainment, very few flaws, rewatchable. Uh, Jaws 3, entertaining, but nothing special at all. Jaws 4, a bad movie. Boys? Jaws 2. Jaws 2. So we're, we're in unison on Jaws 2 on this one. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I think uh, time will tell if... I, I don't think it's going to be removed from Jaws 2 in my thought process, but time will tell whether it's a high Jaws 2 or a low Jaws 2 for me. That's the only thing I'm not totally decided on, but I think I am solidly in that range. Yeah. If nothing else, like I said, I think it's very rewatchable, and I think that in its in and of itself makes it a Jaws too. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, and I think we we may have a different opinion of it when Infinity War comes out. I just hope that yeah, Infinity War and Black Panther have just have a little bit more seriousness to them because I can't imagine that Ant Man and the Wasp is going to be a serious drama. Although no. Ant Man did have a, an awful lot of interesting things to say about fathers and daughters, mm. which which I do find quite interesting given this morning. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to even venture into that realm. But uh, oh, but wanted... uh, one quick thing: uh, sure. we didn't really say anything about Hella. What did you think about 
kicked oh, uh, yeah. I thought Kate Blanchett was absolutely magnificent. Uh, I thought she was hot too. Well, I, thought she, I thought she was great. I thought she embodied the character. Yeah. She she looked the part so well uh, from the comics. And, you know, there, there was one or two points where she kind of gave a little bit of a flippant line herself. And I was afraid that, w- that she was going to go too far into the comedy. But I don't think she did. I think she was pretty well written overall. I think she was threatening. And I thought she came off. You know, it, it's difficult to have a pretty woman in a battle with a guy who's, you know, all bulked up like the way Chris Hemsworth is and have it be totally believable. And yet I thought they pulled it off fairly well. Yeah, she was she was totally convincing, wasn't she? So, you know, hats off to them in the casting, hats off to them in the uh, stunt work that they did and the writing. I thought that it was all well done. She was awesome. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I want to see her back in some well, capacity. so... Now, uh, I've seen other little theories here and there, and people have talked about. So we, in the comics, Thanos is always um, obsessed with death, and this is the goddess of death. <clears throat> ah! Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of thought they may go that route as well, but time will tell. And this whole hidden history that Odin has whitewashed, you know, this thing now that she's the actually Thor's sister in this uh, canon. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, that, that's I have not put that connection together. Mm. Well done. We shall did see. good. <laughs> well, I can't oh. take full credit for that. I... So somebody saw on the internet. I want to uh, thank you boys for coming on and giving this review on Thor Ragnarok. Uh, I would say to pimp your other shows, but everybody knows where they can find you. <laughs> so just thanks again, and thank you everybody for listening. If you have any comments to make, uh, jawspodcast at gmail.com. And I have just a handful of iTunes reviews. I would love to have more. So give it some thought. Thank you for listening, though. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. We come from the land of the ice and snow, from the midnight sun where the hot springs flow. Ah! Oh, I thought we'd do. What's his name? Uh, we come from a land down under. <laughs> Uh, somehow I don't think Thor fighting to that would be uh... are you saying that men at work could not put up a good fight no no I'm just saying I, <laughs> I, I, I don't I, 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 I don't think that song would have gone well you know smashing demons in, in uh, fighting sewer you know from a letdown under. <laughs> I said do you speak my language bash 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 <laughs> I can't uh, pay rent with these things. One's a pumpkin, and these Asgardian coins, they're not worth anything. In Asgard, those coins, these coins are worth a gazillion human dollars, okay? There's a gazillion, you're rich. There's a gazillion. Gazillion, gazillion, gazillion. No one will exchange these. Go to the market, set up a store, and write, Asgardian where? Previously owned by Thor, I'm a celebrity that will sell like hotcakes. You might need to think about getting a getting a job. <laughs> Get a job? Serious? Yeah. I have a job. Do you know what my job is? I save the planet. Yeah. Maybe you should get a job. Hmm? I have a job. Really? Hitting the machine with the words that come out of it. Oh, this is knowledge. Knowledge is power. No, it's not. Knowledge is not power. That's power. The brain is a muscle. And that's a muscle, and that's a muscle, and they are all muscles, this is all muscle, so I am covered in brains, and I have more brains than you.
So do you think maybe we could just think I about... I think we the, need a servant. I don't think we can get a servant. We should get a servant. We, I don't Yay, think we it's can settled. Get a We're getting a servant! I guess I'm just taking a break. We had this really cool adventure saving Earth, and I was pretty happy. Anyway, so I needed some me time, and I came to Australia, and that's when I moved in with Daryl. Hello. And uh, here we are. You know, it's, it's, it's a nice flat, as you can see, and uh, we, we get along well. Yeah, I guess I just wanted to be around uh, average, everyday people. And Daryl is a, an average sort of everyday guy, so it works out well. While I'm here, I'm trying to get involved with the locals. And who's this purple weirdo? Surprised you actually knew who that was. You know, to give back to the community. Daryl here is helping me craft an electronic letter. I'm writing to Captain America and Iron Man. There seems to be something very intense going on between them, and I want to offer my help, my services. Dear Tony Stark, how's it going? I heard you and Captain America were having some relationship problems. Dear Steve Rogers, do you remember when I goaded you into killing those prisoners and you made me swear to never tell the other Avengers? If there's any other secrets you need kept, just let me know, because I'm not up to much at the moment. What are you doing later? I'm just working. What's he doing? He's working. Keep out Daryl. <laughs> Costume for battles. Little Mjolnir over here taking a nap. <laughs> a little bit of something I've been roasting in the sun for a number of weeks now. And it's almost ready. Delicious. Question, what are Infinity Stones? A whole lot of information and ideas and what I like to call little clues speckled around the place. And who is the man in the purple chair? He's purple. His magic glove doesn't like standing up. Fury, what does he really know? And is Fury his real name, or is it actually pronounced furry? Little Mjolnir here. <laughs> pair of sunglasses in case it gets bright on the rainbow bridge, which often it does. Oh, if you lift up this little thing, <laughs> what's he holding? Me. <laughs> I never wear cutoffs. How do I keep waking up in cutoffs? Normal pants going in, cutoffs coming out. You? Hmm. <laughs> Oh, by, by the way, I heard from uh, Tony Stark and Captain America. They didn't contact you? I haven't received a single phone call. Uh, one second. Oh, uh... Hey, T-Bone. How many times do we have to go over this? No amount of money is going to get me to join your little pissing contest. What? Here, talk to Thor. Yeah. He's sort of been waiting here from you. I have him right here. Oh, you can't right now? Okay. Am I disappointed that they, that they didn't invite me to fight with them? Um, <laughs> no. He doesn't know how to get in touch with you. I don't, I don't have a phone. He doesn't have a phone. I send a raven. I just start my own team. Team Thor, of course. And it would be me and Daryl. Just us. Right, D? Yep. <laughs>